Hello, church. Good afternoon. It's good to see you. It's good to be here with you. It's so awesome to be here. It's so awesome to share God's word. And I would like you to listen to me as a brother in the Lord, okay? And I will make sure I don't spit and I will not sweat that much. I'll just talk to you from the word of God and just for us to reflect, okay? And it's going to be a bit of a a personal word, so don't turn to your neighbor, more like reflect inwardly. Amen. And uh, praise God. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.21, it says, Praise be to God through Christ Jesus in the church through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're so honored to have his presence among us. And I will also want to say thank you to Abba, Ma, Kassazi, uh, KB, the church leadership. Just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Uh, something that I've been noticing the last few years uh, and something that has been encouraging me is as messy as the church is, the Lord Jesus loves the church because she's his bride and he's shed his blood for her, and he has called her to be part of him, right? He has called her his body, and he is the head of his church. Amen? Yeah? And uh, it's a lot more than coming to a Sunday service. The church is way bigger than now and here, what we do. Uh, it's really, it has come from generation to generation. What God has been doing, what the word, the gospel has been preached to many generations, and it is now our time to receive the message and also to pass it on to the next generation. Amen? And uh, uh, if you've noticed the last few weeks uh, with Dr. Brooks' message about eschatology, which is a very heavy word about end times, uh, and then KB last week spoke to us about what are you building your house, with, your house with? What material are you using? How strong is your house? Where did you build it? Right? He was talking to us. And I kind of noticed, not only here, but it, whenever I open my Bible, whenever I go online, whenever I have conversations with different people, it's like the Lord has changed his tone a little bit. It's full of love and grace, but with a changed tone. A little bit, right? He's talking to us about something serious. And with my daughter, I have two daughters and a third one is on the way. Uh, praise God. And if I tell her something nicely, of course I have to be loving, I have to be kind. It's great. She will listen to me or she will be okay. But sometimes the problem is she would misunderstand my love, my affection, my hug, my goofiness, my silliness, and she might, she might take that's all there is. So sometimes when I try to tell her something serious, she doesn't get it. She still wants to continue with the tone she was in, right? So I have to change my tone a little bit so she understands I'm not playing. Hey, listen, hey, sometimes I would say, look at me, you know, look at me. For her to understand my heart. It doesn't mean that I don't love her. I love her because I love her. And I want her to be the best of who she is. I will speak to her with a stronger tone. Right? So when God speaks to us with a stronger tone, it's because he loves us. And even in Hebrews it says that he punishes the son, the child that he loves. You are, he says you are legitimate children if he punishes you. This is legitimacy. Amen. 
And I, I want to talk to you about the hardness of the heart. And uh, when the, the conversation came for me to share, I was thinking, oh, I've been wanting to talk about worship and I want to teach you about worship. There's lots and lots of things I've been learning and I want to share that. We've been talking a lot of those things with the, with the worship leaders and we've been doing classes about it. But then uh, around that same moment, I felt my heart go this way. And this word has been in my heart, or it's been working in me for the last two years, two and a half years. It's coming from a place of what God has been challenging me with. Okay? Are you willing to listen? To listen? All right. So, we are going to pray, and then we're going to read the scriptures. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the author of life, and you are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who glorifies Jesus. You're the one who reminds us of what he's done. And you're the one through whom we're uh, sealed as inheritance for you. And I ask you that you speak to us. We invite you and we, op we open our hearts and we will listen. We will pay attention. And please speak to us and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So can we go quickly? Hebrews 1. And we're going to read Hebrews 2 and then we're going to read Hebrews 3, but not the whole chapter. Hebrews 1, chapter, verse 1 and 2. I think you have the verse up there. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So this verse is saying, God has been speaking through prophets and stuff, you know, in the past. But he said, this is the final word. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the final revelation. Yeah. And then, so he has spoken to us through his son. He is God's voice, God's message to us. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Right? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, chapter 2 begins. There's a lot that he talks about in chapter 1. Chapter 2 says, now that God is speaking to us through Jesus, we better pay attention. We better listen. Because the Old Testament it came through angels and people who disobeyed received punishment. But he's saying, now this is God's final word. His serious highest word through Jesus. How much more should we pay attention to him? Right? Now, let's see verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. But now go to verse 7, it says, So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12, see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. That's a lot of reading. Simply, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians. Jew Christians who have now come to know the Lord Jesus and who have accepted his work. But these people, they were going through a lot of persecution. And at the same time, that persecution was pushing them to kind of look slightly to the old life they left. To Judaism, to religion, to what the old testament let me say simply so they're kind of you know being tempted to look that way and he's warning them if you ignore Jesus it's going to be severe it's going to be serious all right and he uses the story of their ancestors to show them where they are and he said your ancestors God spoke to them through through prophets through many people and he said they rebelled against God and his instruction and the problem wasn't that God didn't, God didn't speak to them. The problem wasn't lack of God's voice. He did speak to them. Actually, so many times. But the problem was their heart was hard. It has become hardened. So he's, telling, he's using the story of their ancestors to show them where they are. And they didn't like a sermon. They go to, you know, Sabbath, they go to the temple, they hear scripture being read, right? They are instructed in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy to meditate on the word of God daily. So there's no lack of God's word. So it's like they have a sermon, even, you know, cool stuff like a daily verse, like the one we have on version, right? And they have amazing worship songs and worship leaders that kind of do really cool stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the problem wasn't the lack of all those things, but their heart was hard, right? It has rebelled against God. And even God says, they, they are going astray. He says, they are missing my ways, right? They keep going astray. Actually, in Isaiah, he says, these people, they, are, they have become hard of listening. Their heart has become hardened because of too much listening. I didn't know this was a problem. You know, you know we are an information age. We have too much stuff. I don't think it's like that. You know? We have so much information. You have so much. You've, like God has spoken to you. I mean, all kinds of ways. But then, no fruit because the heart is hardened, right? And now imagine, and God tells them, they do not know my way. Imagine, I know the way to my house because I've gone through it over and over, right? Not only that, I, God has given me the gift of memory, right? But also the gift of learning, the ability to learn, right? So God is telling them, they keep missing my ways. They don't know my ways. 
That's, that's a serious problem. That's what a hardened heart looks like. To the book of Hebrews, the people in Hebrews, I mean, to the people the book of Hebrews is written for, they are believers who believe in Jesus. And one of the, the key things that happened in the New Testament, God said, I, in Ezekiel 36, 26, and also you can see uh, Jeremiah 31, he said, I will put my spirit in your heart. I'll write my law in your heart. In fact, in the Ezekiel 1 says, I will take out the heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. That's what we have in Christ, a heart of flesh. He has given us a new heart, a tender heart, right? That's what we have in him, a submissive, obedient, tender, right? Willing heart. When we hear God, we respond because that is the kind of heart he's given us. But again, while that is true, the writer reminds them, be careful that your heart doesn't get hardened. About two years ago, two and a half years ago, this is exactly where I was. You couldn't tell because I was singing amazing worship songs. You couldn't tell because God is the only one who sees the heart. And I want to share you, with you how serious it was for me. And it's because I did not deal with so many issues. And because when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, I didn't want to listen. My heart has, had, had gotten to this place. I was so careless. I didn't care. I would listen to a sermon. I would listen to the word of God. I'm like, not for me. It's for the other people on the other row. God will, you know, pour out his grace and his spirit, but I would refuse to get deeper. You didn't tell, like you couldn't tell. I mean, you couldn't tell, really. It's, a, it's that serious. And more and more, I became very cynical, a bit judgmental, a bit careless. When I come to church, I'm, I mean, actually, I'm so grateful that I had a church, a place, at least a community. But whenever I think about Pente people, whenever I think about the church, and I'm like, I the church, these people. And slowly, I started withdrawing. Slowly, I started kind of stepping back. Like I said, you couldn't tell, right? And I couldn't connect with God's grace. I couldn't connect with what he's saying to me. And not because he wasn't speaking, but because I was refusing. And in that place, I remember the Lord gave me this verse, and it really shook me. And the Holy Spirit was like, this is exactly what's happening to you. Your heart is getting harder. Because you did not deal with this issue, because you did not forgive here, because you did not take care of what I told you to do, your heart is getting harder. And since then, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But... God has been dealing with my heart. And so, what, what is the cause for a hardened heart? We find it here. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Refusing to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When he knocks at the door of your heart, not opening it. When he speaks to you, not obeying it. When he speaks to you, not taking it seriously, it, it causes your heart to uh, adopt or to grow unbelief, right? And 
it kind of puts distance. It kind of pushes you away from the table the Lord has prepared for you. So unbelief is a serious problem. And the Holy Spirit, if you see in John 16, 8 to 15, the reason he came and Jesus said, it's better if I go and he comes is so that he can speak to us. So that he, he said, when he comes, he'll speak about sin, judgment, righteousness. And he told us he will lead you into all truth. He said he will remind you everything that I told you. And he said he will also even tell you what is yet to come. It's amazing. We're so privileged that his spirit dwells in our hearts. Right? We have a constant present help. We have a constant counsel. We have a friend that walks us through life. The only thing we need to do is turn our hearts to him. And he speaks. So one of the things that, that causes, uh, you know, hardened heart is, of course, the first one is refusing to the voice of the Holy Spirit and unbelief. The other issue is this, the deceitfulness of sin. Here it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, right? Sin is very enjoyable temporarily. You can show me your hands. Do you think sin is enjoyable? Very enjoyable, but temporarily. What it does to our hearts is very subtle. That's why it's called deceitfulness, right? Deception works like that. It comes, it looks like enjoyment, but that is how it comes. Deceitfulness. And slowly it shifts the tone of your heart. Unnoticeably, it kind of, you know, you love Jesus, but then you, you like, it's like I'm looking at KB, but like, it's like there is, a, you know, the angle has changed slowly. But then when you dwell in it, when you keep it happening, when you don't confess it, when you don't come to terms with it, when you don't go and open your heart and share with somebody what is going on, it actually causes your heart to be harder. Right? Um, and the greatest risk is that it causes our hearts to be callous, careless. And what we called precious at one point becomes less important. It becomes, you know, in Amharic, we have a saying, the gold that you have in your hand is considered like copper. Am I right? You know, but Jazz work and because it makes that like it's you have precious things in your life, but it makes it look like it is, you know, not really that precious. And this is feeling of sin is one of the causes. What symptoms do we see when we have a hard heart? We become unreceptive to God's voice and word, like I said, we refuse to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the thing about a stone is it cannot absorb anything, right? When you pour water on a stone, it cannot absorb it because it is hard, right? It cannot receive anything. That's what it does to our hearts. And we stop receiving God's word. We stop receiving his voice, his instruction. We stop being led by his spirit. So that's one symptom. Uh, recently, this hit me. You no longer get satisfied with Jesus. The bread of life doesn't satisfy you. 
you feel like you need to add some more stuff. Does anybody relate? Jesus is not enough. That's what it does to your heart. Jesus is not enough. I mean, you remember when you got saved, how, I mean, you're so easy to put, like, I mean, just, he touches your heart, you like, you know, you surrender, you give it all, you are like hardcore following him. I mean, it is so easy. But then, now you need more stuff that you need to add on top of Jesus. That's a serious problem. I, I think our generation is struggling with that. I think it's something we struggle significantly, right? We, we, Jesus is not, his word is not enough for me. And the word has to be said in a certain way. It has to make me happy. And but then when somebody said, God's goal over our lives is not happiness. He said it is holiness. And when we learn to go to the bread of life and he's enough for you, and you know what David says, the joy of salvation is there. You are so, so, so blessed that you are saved. You are so blessed that you know Jesus, right? That's enough for satisfaction. If Jesus cannot satisfy us, if the bread of life cannot satisfy us, nothing in this world can satisfy us. No amount of money will make you happy. No amount of fame will make you happy. No amount of uh, approval from people will make you happy. He is the bread of life. Amen. So that is another sign. It's not enough. The word has no impact on you. Not because the word is not powerful, but your heart is denying its power. Uh, you remember, can, when we go to Matthew 13... 14 and 15, and the story, you know, you remember it, the, the parable of the sower. The sower went out, sowed the seed, some fell by the roadside, another on a shallow ground, another in thorns and thistles, right, in the midst of that. But the fourth one, it landed on a good soil. And 14 and 15 says, and them is fulfilled the prophecy. So the disciples came to him. Jesus, why are you talking to the, the, the people in parables? He said, well, this is what he said. Um, Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. They see, they don't pay attention, they hear, nothing is happening. Right? So as a result, that soil becomes unfruitful. There is no fruit in that soil. The third soil, the, the one he says, uh, the, the thorns grow up and choke the word. And he talked about how, you know, the worries of this life and the things you know, of pleasure and all these things choke the word. Right? That's what, what, what it does and your heart will not bear the fruit required. So the first one, like I say, is the, power of, the word of God does not have power in your life. The second one is a bit serious. 
my brothers and my sisters. Matthew 19, 1 to 8. We were talking about this with Misu. It's actually pretty shocking. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him and to taste them. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? He said, I've been true heard, replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were heart but it was not this way from the beginning not to discuss uh, marriage divorce not that but i was shocked in the beginning there is an intention god had for marriage but through time because the israelites their heart was hard they've lowered the standard they've lowered the standard and we were talking with misu and he permitted them they lowered the standard. Have you seen a robe where you put uh, clothes, you know? I mean, come on, my Abisha people, we know how to put. You know, the robe is in the beginning, like very like straight. But over time, you put stuff on it, what happens is it lowers. To a point now, the clothes will touch the floor, right? It's like that. There is a standard God has for our lives. There is a standard. There is God's intention, God's will for our lives. But because our heart can get harder, what it does is it lowers that standard. And if you remember, Eli also got told him, hey, discipline your children. They are messing around and they're doing a lot of wickedness and I don't like it and I'm going to punish them. And he tried a little bit. Finally, when the final judgment came, uh, uh, a message came to Eli. He told him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. And you know what Eli said? He is the Lord. Let his will be done. Sounds so spiritual. But the Bible says that he was the man. Eli was as hard as a mule. I mean, that is the time to repent. That was the time to cry out before God. Have mercy. That's, you, you, you have to do something about that. That is serious. In fact, you see even in that verse, you know, later on when, uh, after they lost the ark, you say, you see Cabo, like Ikabo, the God's glory left, right? It's a, I mean, it's a critical moment in the spiritual journey of the nation. It's critical for him. It's critical for his family. But then because his heart was so hard, he's like, that his will be done. Yeah. I think Eli was a serious pente. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, my people. <laughs> other people's, the third one is other people's problems look bigger in your eyes. And this is where the criticism towards community comes. You come and say, oof, church people. Ah, oh, these Christians. I mean, even the ones that love you, these Christians. You become cynical judgmental and you have 
You have no awareness. You have no self-awareness. You see everybody's problems, but you can't see your problem. You remember the plank in the eye? And Jesus said, first deal with the plank in your eye so you can see clearly. And you will help your brother clean the dust, right? It is appropriate to help your brother clear the dust. But first you need to do, take care of your plank, right? And it's like every time I, I see this verse, you know, which, which plank comes to my heart? The silken chat outside where the pole, where the, the you know, the tele, that, that's the tele line goes on. That's what comes. Imagine having that in your eyes, but you're trying to see a dust in somebody's eyes. That's pretty serious. And you, everybody's a problem but you. Everybody, your wife is a problem, your husband is a problem, your friends are a problem, right? Everybody is a problem. But you never say, I am the problem. And you cannot receive correction. You cannot receive criticism, rebuke. Yeah, I, I know. I was quiet also when God spoke to me. <laughs> Very quiet. Uh, for this, you remember David, he sinned with Bathsheba. He had, you know, buried everything. Very, very professional stuff. That's like spy level thing that he did. He slept with her. He messed up. He didn't repent. And then he devised a plan to kill her husband. He managed. He did it. He sealed everything. And he was chilling. He was going, doing the, the temple thing, you know, the whole prayer, the whole. He, did, he didn't stop. Then one day, Nathan came to him and said, hey, Nathan, uh, hey, David. Um, let me tell you a story. There was a man who's very rich. He has lots of sheep. And then he has a neighbor. Uh, and he had a sheep that he loved. One sheep. It's like his own daughter. You know, like they were really tight. But then when he had a guest, this rich man came and took that one sheep and slaughtered it and fed his guests. And David lost it. And Amoharik will do zarraf. I mean, he might have done even the whole, you know, the whole like war cry. How dare he? I'm going to kill this person, whoever it is, you know. And then the Lord told him, that man is you. Until that moment, lack of self-awareness. You know, he was ready to cleanse the nation from this abomination. But then the problem was him. That's what sin does. Your heart gets so hard. You try to justify your way. You pull out all kinds of verses to justify your way. There's no problem with you. Right? And this is what happened. So this is, this is our symptoms of a hardened heart. And then, in the book of Hebrews, what is at risk? Earlier, Musa mentioned the idea of working out our salvation. He to show them the severity, he told them, you might lose your salvation. Your salvation is at risk if you don't soften your heart. Yeah? The fellowship, the life Jesus paid his price for, and the one that he gave it to you to take care of and nurture, is at risk if you continue with hardness of heart. I mean, of course, this conversation of will we lose our salvation could we lose our salvation? I'm not even going to go there. 
The idea of working out your salvation is going to stop. Instead of being fruitful, you're going to actually become stagnant. You know, the, the, the people in, uh, like the book of Hebrews talks about, he told them, by now you should have been a teacher. But he said, you want somebody to feed you milk, elementary stuff. You're supposed to have the discernment to know good and evil. But now you are just going back to faith, salvation, baptism. That's where you are. When a heart is hardened, you stop growing. You stop bearing fruit. You're supposed to work out your salvation just like you work out muscles. You know, you work out muscles. If you stop over time, you lose the muscle. You know, you used to be, you know, but then... It's like a balloon going slowly. That's what happens. What is a trisk is our growth and our fruitfulness. What, what is a trisk is our race. We might interrupt our race. We might sabotage our race. I mean, if it gets really worse, one day you wake up, you actually don't believe in God. You're entertaining atheism. You're entertaining stuff from the world. That's what happens. That's what sin does in your heart. Uh, the thing about um, heart issues, uh, with heart attacks, there is uh, one that's called silent heart attack. You might not see any symptom of it. Maybe you might see small symptoms, but you might not pay attention. And then one day, you're down. A hardened heart, that's what it does. Listen, I found myself in a place where I was questioning everything I know about God, everything God did in my life. My testimony, I found myself doubting it. I was like, Did, was I wasting my time? Was I wasting my life? What's going on? That's where I was. We are, as believers, are always at a risk of a hardened heart because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us daily. That's the kind of fellowship we have. But if we don't listen and do what he tells us, we could lose it. We look good on the outside. We're doing church, speaking Christianese, blinking our eyes in a holy manner. You know what I'm saying? Lifting our hands, praying loud. You know? I mean, we only deceive ourselves. The Lord sees everything, right? And I have nothing against that, by the way. Be all that. As long as your heart is in the right place. Be all that. But sometimes those things cover it. Make it too late even. Alright? So, the Holy Spirit says, I need you to go get prayer. Get checked. Talk to somebody. Need to confess your sins. We go through the motions, but empty the outside looks good, but the inside is empty. What should we do about it? What should we do about it? Hebrews 3, 1 and 12, 1 to 2. Talk about, consider Jesus. Hebrews 3, 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts. Your mind has to continuously be thinking about Jesus, his word, his heart, his sacrifice. That's what you need to do continuously. You need to be thinking about Jesus. If you don't look at Jesus, I, uh, 
there is a there is a cartoon uh, Ice Age. You remember Ice Age? I love cartoons. But there's a part they were going through a, a cave, and there were this shape shifter things that look so like they look like your desire. But then the moment they get a hold of you, they turn and remember this. I'm trying to make it simple. Come on. And then they he tells them. Do not look at their eyes. Don't look at their eyes. If we look at the world, if we look at our surroundings so much, we will be allured away. But here, we need to look at Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. This is undivided attention on Jesus. Not a giving a glimpse and turning. This is intentionally seeking him Fixing your eyes on him. Fixing your eyes on what he did on the cross. Meditating on his sacrifice. Meditating on his word. Amen? The second one. Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That is the second answer is fellowship with true believers. People who are aspiring to be like Jesus. Community. I don't want to use that word too much because it could be, it kind of has a way of taking it, you know. But Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, we need to simplify church. When we talk about church, we, we, have to, we have to go beyond this gathering. This is really great, by the way. I really believe the Lord works here. But we would not experience the depth of his life in this setting. There is a lot more. We cannot see to it. We cannot look at each other if we are from far. You know, um, when we were kids, we used to watch action movies. I'm going to use another movie example. Um, you guys remember Rambo? Come on, my people. You remember Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, you know, oh, we love them because they have that huge muscle, they have a gun, and they go against an army. They fight against an army. They come on top. If you take it further, have you watched Bollywood movies? Man, guys, it is one of my favorite things to get clips of it. I mean, the things, there's like all things are possible in those things. One man against an army. Easily, right? That's not how life is supposed to be done. That, that doesn't work in the Christian walk. You try that, you're done. We're supposed to live with one another. We're supposed to walk with one another. We're supposed to have a daily fellowship with one another. Not once a week. Not, not, we, what do we do when we meet here on Sunday? We greet each other and we go home, right? That's the, I mean, maybe, maybe we go for lunch. But here, the Lord speaks daily. That means we need also daily accountability. We need also daily fellowship with other believers. Otherwise, it's impossible. It wouldn't work. We need to stop fooling ourselves. And we need to also stop hoping others will join us in our foolishness. This is not the church. I like this, this is not. We cannot do much. We cannot do much. How do I know what you're going through? 
How do you come and confess your sins in this setting? It's not really. I mean, this is really great. We need it. But we need, it's like, this is like the, the, the shallow end. We need to come deeper into fellowship. We need to come deeper into connecting our hands with other fellow believers so we can grow, so we can become fruitful, so we can protect our hearts from getting harder. Right? We need a home church. That's how the apostles did it. That's how the disciples did it. We need a home church. We got to eat together. We got to eat some good food together. We got to pray. We got to play games. We got to share the word of God. We got to confess our sins. John 1, 7 says, if, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we have fellowship, true fellowship in the light. But then he says, the blood of Jesus Right? Remember? The blood of Jesus, his son, who cleansed us from all sins. You know, the blood of Jesus is powerful and can cleanse us from our sins. But we also need to know what ground that blood has power. If we're not in the light, if we don't come to the light, if we don't confess and build genuine, deep, true, real, non-judgmental relationships, the blood will not have power in us. As powerful as his blood is. Amen. In Ecclesiastes, it says, it is better to be two than if one falls, the other picks him up. If one is cold, the other will keep him warm. Woe to him who falls alone. I, I didn't say it. It's the word of God. That is serious. We will fall alone if we don't walk with others. And not this shallow, uh, uh, you know, like, like uh, spiritual looking kind of level. I mean, we need to be really honest with one another. Every motive, every intention, every temptation, every sin that we commit, we need to put in the light. And when people come to us with that, we shouldn't be surprised. And we shouldn't judge them. Right? Because... We are also weak. Who are we to judge them? Right? But also, in the name of not judging, we shouldn't just pamper each other. We need to tell the truth to one another in love. Sometimes, you need people in your life that tell you, stop this. You're being stupid. What are you doing? Sorry for using the word stupid. What are you doing? I mean, people need to bring sense into, like, we need that curcum on the head. We need that kind of people. The Bible says that the, the wounding of a friend is faithful. Right? When a friend wounds you, it's faithful. It's good. It's so that you can become like Jesus. It's so that you can grow in his likeness. It's so that your heart will not be hard. Amen. We need to come a little bit deeper from the shallow ends. We need to listen to the Lord and build meaningful relationships. You know, let me say this and I'll close. It's not lack of people that keeps us in it. It's because we don't allow people to come in. By the way, you will know me as far as I allow you to know me. So it's not because you don't know. Don't say, oh, I don't have anybody. No, no, I allow somebody. You're afraid of them judging you? It's okay, let them judge you. At least you're getting your freedom. At least you're getting your healing. The, the, their judgment, God will deal with it 
on their own session, right? It's okay. It, we, we have to really simplify this and make it a day-to-day -day thing. That's when we will become the kind of church Jesus wants us to be. That's when we will become the kind of bride he is preparing us to be. Amen? We need to come a little deeper, church. Amen. Can we all stand? Say, Lord, save this person from hardness of heart. Help him realize how much he's loved by you, how much she's loved by you. May they respond to, their vo to your voice. May they respond to your call. Take away the heart of stone. Take away hardness, Holy Spirit. Let your fire burn. Let the mountains melt. Mm, let your light shine. Let your hope arise, oh God. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Let every stronghold, let, let every lie be broken. Jesus, let every mountain be lowered. Let every valley be lifted. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Have your way, have your way. My heart is yours forever, yeah. Oh, You can have my heart, you can have my heart, oh, oh, you can have my heart, you can have my heart, oh, oh, you can have my Lord, give us a contrite and a broken spirit. Give us a broken heart for you. Because you do not despise a broken heart. You do not despise a broken spirit, a humble heart. That is your sacrifice. That is your offering. So right now I ask you to give us a simple heart, a humble heart, a softened heart, a willing heart, a submissive heart. Lord, do your work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, take away every stubbornness. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. If we need to forgive someone, Lord, I pray that you give us the grace to do so. May we, may we be easy for you, God. May we forgive quickly. May we be unoffendable. Because our heart is pure and willing to forgive quickly. Father, right now I ask you to move through every marriage, every family, every friendship. 
Lord, move through everything. God, be the judge of our relationships. Be the judge of our hearts. Please turn us back. Lord, realign us, Father God. We've missed your heart. Realign us, Lord. Realign us. We've missed your heart for church, for fellowship. We've missed your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you that you've heard us and you'll always hear us. May this begin a new, a new journey for somebody, Father God. May this be how we live with a soft heart, Father God, accountable to brothers and sisters, seeking to fellowship with others, Father God. May we build a deeper well, Father God. May we grow deeper in you, Father God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.